This episode is brought to you by the Enneagram 5 community. Join our free community to get early access to episodes, attend live community events, and meet other Enneagram 5s like you. Visit the link in the description to learn more. We'll see you over there. Okay, so I walk downstairs and I say that I'm going to get the batteries for the camera and the two wine glasses. And then I come back upstairs like 30 seconds later, 60 seconds later. Not even. Not even. It was like 20 seconds. And I have the batteries and I'm here for a couple of minutes and I realize I don't have the wine glasses. And your priorities are in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's problem number one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Problem number two is that happens to me all the time because as a five, I pretty much live in my head most of the time. Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about today is, I guess, sort of the cost of living in in your head. The cost. Yeah. we talk about the cost there are some benefits there's yeah tons of benefits (laughs) (laughs) so uh you want to go first like what what does it look like for you well i mean since since i was a kid i have i think last episode we talked about a little bit about that and about how living in your own head causes this inner narrator of your life helps you like film your life in your head right Mm -hmm. so i feel like i think the narrating part is also part of it i have this monologue going on in my head about everything that i'm experiencing which helps me i guess assess all situations but also judge all situations and (laughs) people you know which causes me to play out scenarios in my head about dialogue that i would have like conversations with people and all those things i think that that's and also so post-conversation dialogues or like, this is all the things that I should have said. Oh yeah. Said. No. Yeah, yeah. That's so bad. I hate that part. <laughs> Cause that's just like, then I'm judging myself. Right. <laughs> it's just like turning it on myself. That's not, not as fun. Yeah. So my parents always bragged that I was the best car rider as a little kid. Cause I would literally just stare out the window and just get lost in my thoughts. I mean, even as young as like three, four, five, I, one of the things I still remember that doing this, it's just the most random thing, but I would get fascinated with the, the power lines going by. Oh yeah. And I would imagine that I had like these like hooks with rollers on them and I'd just be like swinging <laughs> okay, from line so, to line. This is so weird, but I was about to ask you if you ever imagine like people running and jumping over things or like somebody yes. swinging on trees or power lines. That's so weird. I was, that was my next question. <laughs> So yeah, I guess that's a thing. I don't know if anybody else does that, but uh, yeah, we did it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but the the other the thing that so there's this ability to pull ourselves out of the present moment, which can kind of be a blessing and a curse. And and but one of the the, the pros can be that we can really focus on something and sort of block the rest of the stuff out. That is so. My wife is someone who just observes everything by default, and it's just sensory input all the time and just this barrage of the world coming at her and she can't can't help. She doesn't have that same ability to really like filter everything to the level that I can and zone out. 
she sort of like feels it all. And so she's always been sort of fascinated with my ability to, I, I can, like, she can be in the same room with me telling me something and, and, and it'll be like a delay effect. <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, my brain will catch up. It's been taking it in, but it's just sort of like put it on, on like reserve processing <laughs> until I finish yeah. whatever I was thinking about. And then it would catch up. Like the yes. buffer would catch up. Yeah. And, then... <laughs> and she's like, why aren't you listening to me? Yeah. <laughs> and then, I, so the, there'll be like a, you know, a good 15, 20 second pause and then I'll answer her question. <laughs> this drives Madison insane. I do exactly the same thing. Or I just, something for me, it's just like, I won't even hear it. Like if there's stuff going on in my mind, it's probably using all the CPU and there's no room for other things coming in. And she'll say these whole things and I'll have a full conversation with her and be like, wait, what did you say? And she's like, you were responding. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like on autopilot mode and I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I really want to know, tell me. And it never works out. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'll I'll say yes to things and then yeah. realize that I said yes. I'm like, wait, what did you ask me? Yeah. <laughs> what did I just agree to? Too late. I already said yes. <laughs> so, so that's a downside. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a downside. But we also have this, you know, with, with that sort of focusing all of our processing power on, on things we can, I feel like that's, that's sort of the, the mechanism that allows us to understand more complex thoughts and ideas and break them down and process information the way that we do. Yeah. Because if you're the type of person who can't shut everything else out, you can't focus all of your energy on digesting one thing and dissecting it and pulling it apart and, you know, all of that stuff. And so that is, is behind our ability to be such great thinkers. Right. Although I'm, I wouldn't say that that's helped me be more articulate. You, right. You yeah. put me, you put me in like writing an article yeah. or, you know, <laughs> anything where that's written form. I am so much more impressed with myself. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'll say things I've written articles and stuff and I'm just like, Oh yeah, like that's exactly what I wanted to say. Every bit of it. Cause I had time to process it and I got to put it out and I was visualizing it. I say things out loud all the time and I'm like, Oh God, why didn't I say that? I should not have said any of that. <laughs> and so, yeah, which makes this podcast yeah. real fun. Yeah. <laughs> real fun. Well, it's, it's also a testament to how far we've come because you know, yeah, I would have never done this two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I've had enough practice with my other podcast that sure. I at least I'm more comfortable in this sort of this tension yeah. than I used to be. And so we'll definitely unpack that more later. But sure. I want to I want to go back to what you're saying. There's this huge dissonance between what goes on inside of our brains and what we can actually get out into a form that other people can comprehend or intake. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's one of the part of the appeal and, and what sort of keeps us living in our heads is that our ideas can stay pure in there. Yeah. Right. There's, there's no need to have to try to translate them to other people because that's where everything breaks down. Like every time I try to say something, it, it never ever is anywhere close to like my understanding in my head. It's just that, you know, inefficiency, ineffectiveness as a five, one, it requires a lot of energy. If it's not something that you, you've done enough to, for it to be more kind of second nature, it requires a lot of energy to take all these complex thoughts and ideas and actually try to communicate them to other people. And so that makes it, uh, that makes even more, even more compelling to stay inside of our heads and not. And inside your home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, right. Like that's, that. you just basically <laughs> described why a lot of fives are introverts. Yep. <laughs> it's just too much energy to have to talk to people. Yep. 
Because I feel that way about all conversations. I mean, it's for my job. Everything that I do is just involves talking to people all day. And by the mm. end of the day, I'm just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't talk to another person. Um, I've used all the energy, all the words that I have. And of course that's not true, but it always feels that way. And a secret about me and probably you too, is you can always tell when I suddenly wasn't in the moment anymore because I'll start talking. And then I'm like, not, nah, I've lost the train of thought because I had the thought then I left the moment and then <laughs> yeah. I came back to the moment and I'm like, okay, I have this thought. Oh no, I don't. It's not there anymore. And so I think that anytime that I do that, it's because I've left the moment and I was somewhere else for about five seconds. That's the real crux of this mode that we have of, of the issue with it is that it pulls us out of the present moment. Right. And when we, when it does that, this is the real cost of living in your head is that you miss that experience. And we, we talked about on the, the feelings episode, we talked about this a little bit, like when you, like our, our kind of life mission as a five is to build up this overarching framework to understand the world, mm -hmm. you know, understand everything, like everything we come across, you know, have, have a way to understand it. And that's what helps us feel the confidence to engage in life and in the world around us. And so we disengage until we can observe and we can process and we can build these frameworks and we can understand enough to where you feel confident enough to re-engage, right? Mm -hmm. But the great irony of the five is that in so doing, in so pulling ourselves out to understand, we actually miss out on that deep understanding because to really know something is to, is to live it, is to be in that experience. And so the more we pull ourselves out, the less ability we have to really truly deeply know something because we're not experiencing it in the moment. And so it's this constant war within ourselves of wanting, just feeling that urge to disengage and then trying to keep ourselves in the moment. But that's, that's the real cost of, of living in your head, I think. Living in my head can be both a blessing and a curse, especially in my close relationships. I think about my husband, who's an Enneagram 6, and when he's getting really upset about something, then my tendency is to want to analyze the logic behind it. What's really going on? What's a good solution for this? What can be done to fix this problem? And sometimes that's a big benefit, and sometimes that's actually what he needs. But there are other times when what he really needs and what he really wants is for me to just join in that emotion with him and just say, yeah, you're absolutely right for being upset about this. And just, you know, at least for a few minutes, sharing in those feelings with him. And that's something that's not always easy for me to do when I'm living in my head. I have to come down out of my head and get more into my heart to be able to share in that space with him. So again, sometimes it's my greatest strength and other times it's my greatest weakness we're just constantly at war with ourselves in that way i think because I, all i want is to know everything <laughs> and i want to be that person and it's always such a disappointment when i get into a situation the moment that i leave the moment and then i come back i i feel like it's just I just intensely, very deeply let myself down. And I'm just like, oh, I don't I don't deserve to speak. I'm good. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's just like I hush, go away, come back a better person. Then we can talk. But yeah, no, I don't know. It's I, I'm, I'm more harsh on myself probably than. And it also sounds, you know, and maybe this is another thing we can talk about. But like in 
it's always, I'm always, it, when you say it out loud, right, it always feels more harsh, the things that you're already thinking about yourself, mm-hmm. which is, I think there's this danger of creating a alternate reality within your mind about yourself, about everybody else, about the world, about how people are going to inter- interact with you. You play out scenarios that will never happen, probably will never, actually, I say that, but the a lot of times I predict exactly how a conversation is going to go. And I know you do this too. I, I've thought about it ahead of time and I'm like, okay, well, I'll say this and then they'll say this and I'll say this. And it happens that way. It'll go exactly that way. But, but yeah, there's this danger that we have this whole reality that we're creating in our heads and it forces us to, I mean, we can start developing all kinds of neuroses and and issues and disorders within ourselves about ourselves. And a lot of my anxiety in everyday life comes from my, in my own head. It's not from things that I'm actually experiencing. It's all internal. That's why I Hmm. went through most of my life, not knowing I had anxiety because until I said it out loud, it didn't sound that bad. The things that I was experiencing, the things I was feeling or thinking. And I think, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, anything from religious or to life coaches, whatever, they'll say, you say it out loud and it it has its own power and its own authority to say something out loud. And I think that comes from this idea that we, I mean, I think it's not just Enneagram 5. I think a lot of people, what goes on in your head doesn't have the same, it, it resonates differently with yourself when you say it out loud and you realize, oh, you know, like I'll say, I do this all the time. I say something that I, I said in my head and then I say it out loud and I'm like, Oh, that was way more harsh, whether it's about me or someone else. Yeah, totally. Which I do at work all the time, which is as someone who's a boss is not ideal to say something out loud to an employee. And it's much harsher than I meant for it to. And immediately I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. It sounded not as bad in my head, but I mean, I'm always talking in my head, which side note, did you know that some people don't hear voices in their head. Yes, I've read that and that freaks me out. I can't even imagine that. I think <laughs> I think I think we're it's safe to say we're we got strength in numbers on this podcast. I bet everybody hears. If you don't, reach out. I would love yes, to talk to you. Um, I definitely want to talk to you. Yeah, so yeah, I so I think that there's there's an interesting thing here around the difference in our wings. Yeah. Because one of the things you talked about, there's a lot of anxiety that comes from the sixth side. And I don't, I don't feel that as much. Right. I really really don't, I don't feel that a lot. It's just more on occasion. So for me, living in this inner world at its worst is more about existential angst Mm. and just this intense focusing on what is missing. Yeah. Like at an existential level, like I, I live in that abyss, that, that bottom of the Enneagram where there's this huge <laughs> gap between the five and the four. I just, I, not so much anymore, but like, especially in my, my darkest days, that's where I lived. <laughs> the, 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 the cave watching anime. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and that's, that's the danger. Another big cost of, of living in our heads is the stories that are t- we tell ourselves is what shape our reality. And so we can create this virtual reality or, or augmented reality for ourselves because we are inside of our own heads, because we're not out engaged. We can completely distort the reality. And, and it looks, it, it looks so different for different people, but on the foresight for me, it was always, you know, I was always focusing on what was lacking on what was missing on what wasn't good enough. There was never a, any sort of instinct to focus on what, what I was grateful for or what was going well, or, you yeah. know, what I did have in my life. For and, sure. 
And so that was a real danger for me on the four side. I mean, I, I'm experiencing that today, right? Like I've been in a terrible mood because just things have not gone my way today. And it's easy for me to just spiral out of control in my own head about, well, if this one big thing didn't work out, then how many other things are not working out? Nothing seems to be working out at all. Am I even doing the right things? Am I going in the right direction? Hmm. And I think this, I mean, I think everybody can relate to this, this particular topic in their own way. Everybody has their, I mean, (laughs) the political climate for the last four years and the way that we're living in a post-truth era now proves that we are all living in our heads a little bit <laughs> because we're all creating our own truth and our yeah. own reality, our own facts yeah. and where that ends, who even knows it's a terrifying thought that I also am thinking about all the time in my own head. And so I don't know. I, I and I think what sets the five apart in that way is that I personally want to, in my own head, in my own world, I am the smartest person. I do know all the things, <laughs> right? Like, and I think everybody's like that. But, you know, as soon as that's challenged or whatever, then everything shifts, everything kind of reshapes. And it's really nice to stay in that world and not let that out. So sometimes it causes inaction because you're afraid of the result of what will happen when you take those thoughts and those processes, those ideals, and you take them out into the real world where people can disagree with you and tear it apart and poke holes in it. Just like, any belief. Yeah. I think it just causes dissension within yourself and it's, yeah. And it's really, it's a really vulnerable place to be. Right. Yeah. And because the other piece of it is what you're sort of getting at here is that it, those thoughts, this reality is very, very closely uh, tied to our identity. And so when we put it out there and we let people poke holes in it, it's basically sort of deconstructing our identities. Right. And that's that's a scary place to be for most people if you haven't gone through that process. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's it's hard. You don't know, like, you don't know. People, we will go to great lengths to avoid that process because it it's it can be really painful. Not on this podcast. <laughs> not, not, on, not anymore. Wait till you see what we got cooking <laughs> for the next episodes. <laughs> we got some good ideas where we're going to definitely put ourselves in a... I feel like, I mean, there's one episode I'm thinking in my mind where like, I, I'm excited about the idea and the, the, the prospect of using this platform to be able to talk to people that do directly challenge the way that I've experienced Mm -hmm. things. And I feel like that that's something too, that always kind of helps me get out of my head is having those real conversations with people who are very different from me and have vastly different backgrounds, which I am a huge proponent of. I think that's, I think that's a healthy for everybody. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't be creating echo chambers of our lives, but I mean, if you stay in your own head long enough, it's always going to be an echo chamber. It's always, you're just reinforcing your own thoughts and ideas. You kind of brainwash yourself. And I think that talking to other people and letting that, that vulnerability happen, but with people that are really different and that you don't understand and having that openness to understand and that, and not being so afraid of the vulnerability is what's, what will really like set apart or decide whether this is going to be a, a, a healthy and positive experience for you, or it's going to completely destroy your well-being and your, your identity. That's a scary place to be. Yeah. I definitely experienced that. The first part of that process for me started when I left the South yeah. for a few years and lived in the Pacific Northwest. And there was just so many ideas and beliefs and thought patterns and and different things that I hadn't been exposed to. And it challenged me. And, and then it was, it was weird too, actually, the, it, it challenged me, but at the same time, to your point, 
at that point in my life, I was still so much in my head, like reinforcing it, it challenged me, but it, it didn't really change me as much until actually I moved back to the South and just, we just happened to be in Nashville and I, I happened to be around, I happened to be around other people that thought differently than me at the same time that I was going through some deconstruction mm. of myself and that allowed me to be open, more open to the, having those conversations and really just trying to understand. And that really accelerated that growth because, you know, I wasn't just looking to reinforce my own ideas about things. I was looking to really, truly understand others. The biggest thing with living in my head is that it's really hard to relax. And I find this happening a lot on the weekends or especially on vacation uh, because I'm used to my routine when I'm working. I'm able to stick to a schedule and I'm plugging away and I'm feeling productive. I'm ticking things off and getting to-dos done and things like that. But then when I have to relax for a minute, I still am in my head and thinking about all the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing or that I want to be doing. But it's not time to do that. It's time to relax and it's time to hang out with my family or just unplug. And that's so, so hard for me to do because to do that, I have to pull myself out of my head, see what's going on around me and my family and in the world. And it takes a, a very forced effort to make that happen or just a long period of time. Even a week of vacation is barely enough to get me there. It's like two weeks if I'm into the second week of vacation then I can start to feel myself coming out of my head a little bit and seeing everything that's going on and remembering that I am a human that has these interactions with other humans. And so it's just a, a, re a very regular occurrence. So it's something I struggle with pretty much every weekend or, or anytime there's downtime. One thing I'm gonna try to do is start to schedule different blocks of things to do on the weekend that are not necessarily to do, but just schedule 30 minutes and I'm just gonna sit and hang out with my kids or schedule 30 minutes and I'm going to go for a walk and maybe if I have more of a structure around it then that'll that'll let me get out of my head but in a structured way or maybe I'm just overthinking it and it's still be being in my head so I don't know jury's out on that one I, I mean I guess and to some degree I don't know I I'm, I guess I'm kind of exploring that idea right now in this moment out loud, which is also a terrifying thing to do. <laughs> Not like fully processing in my mind. It's a safe space, Cody. <laughs> right. But you know, that idea that, I mean, I would, I think I'm, uh, now that I've said it enough times and we've said it and we've talked about it for a little while, I feel pretty strongly. It's a pretty solid theory that talking to people that are different from you just alone, that alone will help you get outside of your mind and not and let yourself be challenged by the rest of the world. And also, I mean, I, I there's a moment that I recall so vividly and it sticks with me. There's somebody that I was introduced to when I lived in Nashville, right when I moved up there that one of my other friends introduced me because he had heard that I was going through a whole thing with my own deconstruction with religion and all these things. And he was like, oh, you've got to meet my friend. And so he was basically like, she's going through the same thing. And that's the only information he gave me. And he was like, we'll just all like get together as like five of us. We'll all get together for dinner and you guys can talk. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And so ended up happening and so organically happened, but she was Muslim and came out of that side. Mm. But we realized that the things that I left the church for, all of the 
hypocrisy or the, you know, a lot of it's like cliche things and then all of it's like some of it's trauma things. She had very similar experiences. And I had, and in that moment, I had never thought about how similar of an experience that could be. Not because I didn't think it would happen, but I just never really considered it. And I hadn't really talked to somebody who came out of the Muslim tradition or the, and, and religion and, th- and like had this same exact trajectory out the door and out, out of that world. And so that was something that really challenged me. And of course, then we got to talking about all kinds of things. And she talked about how like her most spiritual experience was climbing the mountaintop and doing ayahuasca the real way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 12 hours of sickness or six hours of sickness. And have you heard about how the, the intense that is? Yeah. Yeah. And so I still kind of want to do it though. I kind of do too, <laughs> just because like, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other thing, but like maybe drugs needs to be an episode. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, we've now, we've now be, mentioned it twice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's not going to be a very good episode though, because I haven't done anything. We can talk about it though. Or maybe I should just go experiment and then like right. in real time, just like live. <laughs> we could like play recordings and Doc- this is Josiah on <laughs> just d- live document across the podcast. Yeah, of right. me trying to <laughs> yeah no. I'll tell you what, if we get 10,000 downloads on this episode, I'll do it. Okay. How about that? That always works. TikTok. I mean, that's basically how that whole entire platform exists. So, oh man. Yeah. So I guess how, here's a question for you. I'm curious. How would you describe this experience that we have because I, I i do think that it's it is it's a bit unique to fives this experience of really truly like living in our heads because it's to people like my wife and probably your girlfriend and yeah. the the people who are in our lives the the way they view us from the outside is is usually not a great representation of what's really going on inside of our heads oh never <laughs> never so how would, i don't know if i want to say that out loud <laughs> How would you describe that to someone? If I'm being honest and I don't care if they're going to be my friend afterwards? Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're trying to get listeners, but okay. I don't know. My head's a pretty dark place generally, but in a, for me, it's a really fun way. (laughs) Um, And and what I mean by that is if you really think about it and you have a a vivid and active imagination, anything's possible in your own mind. And I think Mm -hmm. that for, for me, it's, it's, that's. In many ways, it in average everyday life, it helps me process very serious situations as they're happening. And then I take a brief pause and then try to respond accordingly, which means that I'm usually really good in really stressful situations and mm-hmm. really intense circumstances, whatever's happening. If everybody else is freaking out, I'm usually the one being like, okay, this is what we need to do. Because while everybody was freaking out, I was processing it. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's like, I know what we need to do. I have the solution. Um, and if that doesn't work, I will already have come up with something else by the time we finish this. So I think that that's, and it causes me to be a problem solver and to really, whether I like it or not, it's a curse. It's a blessing. However you want to look at it. I'm, I'm a problem solver through and through, but sometimes it's a curse. Sometimes it's a blessing, but I will hone in on something and I cannot think of anything else. And it it absorbs my entire life. And I get very tunnel vision and like a weird, I don't know. It's like, I have like a disorder. Like I can't do anything. I'm like almost OCD about it. And I have to do these things like with streaming. I've been trying to learn how to stream for two months and I've done nothing but read and watch videos of streaming because <laughs> as soon as I fix one thing, another thing is messed up and then I just keep going and I'm like, well, how do I fix that thing? Well, then that thing's actually connected to all these other things. And then this is all messing up with all this. And all, while all that's happening, people are trying to have conversations with me and it's not working because it's not getting in there. <laughs> like Madison tries to have conversations with me in the apartment and all I can think about is that problem I haven't solved yet. 
And it's because we live in a 500 square foot apartment. That problem is staring me in the face right in our main living room area all the time. And I'm looking at it going, I could be fixing that right now. And so I guess in that way, it, it causes major disruption in my life because I can't think of anything else. And I just get stuck there. And it's like a, a loop where I, I just keep going over the same things over and over again. Which is also where my anxiety comes from. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of weird. I just get it's it's so sometimes I would say it's this crazy manic type place where you're drinking from a fire hose of thoughts and energy and emotions and everything's all happening at once. Other times it's super dry, super calculated, emotionless, and somebody pisses me off and I murder them 10 different ways in my head. You know, it's like, it's like completely detached from reality in my own mind. And so it's, it's kind of a wild place. It depends on the day. (laughs) I, I want to say it's like something really cool, like on Sherlock with the mind palace. You know, oh, man, that's what I want it to that's be. That's what I want it to be I wish, too. And in fact, I actually, can we go back? I want to just describe <laughs> it that way. <laughs> can we just pretend this whole conversation didn't happen? <laughs> I, so for me, it's, it's interesting. I think with the, with the four wing, I'm, I'm more of a romantic in a lot of ways. Sure. And I daydream a lot about what things could be like. And I, I really get caught up in deep philosophical questions like all the time. Oh, I know. And get a lot of liquor in you (laughs) (laughs) and you get there too. (laughs) Oh, let's not tell that story. Uh, so any story, like anytime you drink a lot of alcohol, you start, you just keep getting further and further out into where I'm like, I don't even, I'm not following you anymore. I don't even know what you're talking about, but yes, you're right. Yeah, philosophical. Which I mean, I think I lean into my four wings sometimes too. And I think there's, there's rhythms for me emotionally where after I've gone through a period of like hypomania and then coming out of like uh, a depression, I usually have about three to four days where I'm super daydreamy, big picture. Hmm. I can make this happen. My life is going to be good. It, the best is yet to come type of a mindset. I just can't hang on to it for very long before I'm uh, going descending back into the, 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 ma- the mania. So oh, it's interesting. Just, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, I'll get, so you, you tend to be more on the problem solving side and I, I'll do that. I'll do that with some things like there are specific types of problems that I find really interesting, but they're more they're less solvable, I guess. Yeah. The, so like, uh, that was probably why I have the job that I do <laughs> because yeah. there's like most of the time there's no good answer. You just have to, you know, choose from the least bad answer in a lot of, a lot of things. Right. But the, the things that I gravitate towards are those sort of big unanswerable questions. And like, I'll literally, I could sit there for hours just thinking about like, what is existence and what is consciousness and, and where, you know, and, and it's, but it's fun for me. It doesn't cause anxiety. It's like, Ooh, this is like <laughs> mind porn. I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a Mindgasm. That's a terrible uh, word. <laughs> okay. So I have a really funny example of what you're talking about. Okay. It happened to me. Let's see this morning. It was today. This morning I was getting ready for work. I was the only one in the apartment and I remember I walked back in the bedroom and I was picking up, I was got thinking I was picking out clothes and I looked out the window and was thinking, and I do this all the time, especially at night if I'm walking around and I look up at the stars (laughs) 
And that moment happens where I'm like, how the hell are we the only life in the universe? <laughs> well, then I start thinking, <laughs> how did we get to where we are? How are we human? How are we complex creatures? Keep in mind that most days, 99% of the time, I don't believe there's a God. So like, I have to think about, I've always framed my entire life. I was a Christian and I always just like put things in this easy, like, oh, that's a God thing um, in that box. And I didn't mm. have to think about it. And now I'm thinking about it in a whole new way, because before it was like, you know, the majesty of God and how amazing God is that he created such complex creatures. But it never sat well with don't, me. Don't say that with so much disdain. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. OK, it's more sarcasm in the sense that it's not disdain. It's just that like. It was, it always felt, and I'm sorry for those that may still be Christians, but like, it always felt like a we cop still, out. We still love you. We're we, not. <laughs> yeah. I just might we, think, I might we, think you're a little crazy. We, but. we feel for you. I will say that. Yes. Definitely feel for you. Please stick around for the religion episode and you'll see what we're, we're talking not, about. We're not doing that. We are doing that episode because I think here's the thing, whether uh, you're in, whether you're in, it looks, we might go into it right now. This might actually not. be the religion episode. No, we're not. Whew, wool, wool over your eyes. <laughs> the whole time you thought you were talking about this, but. But I mean, I think that no matter where you are, whether you're in, in, in a religion or not, I think as a five, if we're going to accept the Enneagram for what it is and that we are generally in some ways the same, we have the curse of always thinking deeper and beyond the surface and asking the hard questions that no one wants us to ask and then having to come up with the answers that no one wants to hear. Mm. And so I think that that's... That's the burden of a five in every relationship. And that's why most people hate us <laughs> because we make everybody uncomfortable and we're also uncomfortable in our uncomfort, <laughs> discomfort. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a really hard place to be and it's a hard place to exist. If whether you're a romantic five wing four or an anxious five wing six, it's not fun either way. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, but in that moment, in the bedroom that today I had that thought of like, you know, in the, the movie contact where Matthew McConaughey says, well, if we're the only ones in the universe, what is this accent? It's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I can't do his like Texas, whatever it is accent, but he's like, if we're the only ones in the universe, seems like an awful big waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, and so, and that, you know, it's like, it's such a simple thing, but it's such a obvious thing. But then I start, it's like, but then I go from, oh, here's the earth. And then now here's the universe. And now here's our solar system or that went backwards solar system mm -hmm. and then greater galaxy, you know? And it's like, I just keep thinking about all the things that we don't know. And yet we're on this little tiny pale, pale blue dot existing and all of our world exists on this tiny little rock. Yeah. And then within that, we create our own worlds in our own brain. Like, how do you respond to that though internally? Does that? Yeah, this is where my six wing comes. Uh -huh. This is I was getting there. Okay, I go. Nope, can't deal with that. Put that <laughs> in, a, in the later box. I'm gonna let future Cody deal with that one. <laughs> so I, so you just revel in it. You oh, take a bath in it. Oh, I take know? a bath in it, man. <laughs> and and Amy, that that idea for for my wife is super anxiety inducing. Yeah. And I could I get sit it. with it all day. I'm just like, we are meaningless specks of nothingness in this universe. I mean, how many, and it's amazing. How many, <laughs> <laughs> and how many conversations have we all had? Like, especially the three of us, since I've known you guys both the entirety that you've known each other. And it's like, 
how how many times have we sat in a room having that conversation? You lead the conversation with that thought, and we both go, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Fast forward. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like to have those conversations. I usually need some type of a uh, suppressant in my body to have them, <laughs> which is good for right now. I could I could have the conversation right now, but I think that it's it's just anxiety inducing. But I do enjoy them. That's the thing. I think the problem is is that to try to face a problem I can't solve. Like there is no way of knowing an answer. That's the real problem there. And I can't, mm -mm, no, it's like a a full stop. (laughs) Can't do it. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I tend to gravitate towards those. Yeah. I will say one thing. That's the tension of our friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing I wanted to illustrate for helping people understand what it's like to kind of live in this inner world that's so vivid there's this scene in the matrix Mm. where i mean it's probably multiple scenes but they go and they pull that giant needle out of their spine and all of a sudden they're like woken up yeah that's what it feels like for me when i'm in this world and someone tries to get my attention or like you know ask me a question yeah. And pulls me out of it. it. It really does. There's a, there's a physical reaction for me a lot of times when I, if yeah. I'm deep in it, like, and where I can get really irritated same yeah. and, and I have this like intense physical reaction because I was in it and, and it was like, it was beautiful. And then all of a sudden it was just like, you're living in the, the, the Josiah <laughs> utopia, <laughs> which probably looks more like a dystopia, but yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> I live with a partner who I've been with for nine years, and he is very patient uh, because he and I are different Enneagram types. And he has become aware that a lot of the times when I, it's very clear that I'm in my head in a given moment, my facial expressions, my tone of voice, my volume are different and don't match perhaps what I'm saying. Um, so for example, if I come out of a work meeting in my office and I don't give myself time to take a couple of breaths and look around me and ground myself again, what I say next to him may very well have the wrong intonation to match the actual content of what I'm saying. And he has learned to be able to sort of remind me that I need to take a couple of deep breaths and come out of my head and get grounded again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I get that too, though. I mean, I've definitely been like jerked out of my own world or my own thoughts and just like feeling incredibly irritable like what Mm. what do you want (laughs) yeah what was so important that you had to but the other side of it too is it's got to be extremely irritating for people around us totally so amy likes to we're insufferable i already just said this (laughs) amy likes to bring up so she grew up on old movies and uh, she always liked to bring up this old movie called monkey business and it's like Cary grant and i think marilyn monroe and the Cary grant plays this scientist named Barnaby. And the first, <laughs> if anyone's listening after this, go look up on YouTube, the first scene. It's just the scene of where they're getting ready to leave for like a party or something. Yep. And she's like, okay, you know, put on your shoes, turn off the lights, you know, grab the keys and I'll meet you outside. I love this scene. <laughs> and he's just like, okay, got it. And she starts to walk out the door and he's just like, he turns, he, he turns the lights on and just sort of stands there. <laughs> and then like, 
And it's just this over and over. She has to tell him over and over again, like, this is what I need you to do. Yeah. And that's totally me when I have this problem in my head that I'm thinking about. Like, it's oh, just yeah. the rest of the world. It's also our partner's entire world. Yes. Like, that's yeah. the way that they exist with us. Yep. I drive... Madison insane like just all day every day she was just like oh my god like sometimes she'll tell me to do something and I just disappear <laughs> and I never come back <laughs> and it's like did that thing get done what thing I don't know I did these 10 <laughs> other things <laughs> but what thing and I, I remember very vividly uh, my dad doing this all the time driving my mom insane mm. well, he's also a five um, and so is your brother and so is my brother, which I talked to him today about being on this podcast sometime. I was like, oh, you'd be yeah. a great resource <laughs> yeah. Um, as a scientist. It's like every in every way he became the five we all want to be, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I just remember, and my mom, my poor mom, growing up, all of us were like that. She would tell us to do chores. Me and Jesse just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> chores wouldn't get done. She'd yell at us. We'd oh, I'm sorry. We definitely meant to do it. <laughs> and then just wander off again. <laughs> And then my, my dad was the same way. He could go from one room to the next and for completely forget what he's doing. Oh yeah. Um, I always just thought it was, you know, as a child, I was like, wow, yeah, I just, you're just old. He, <laughs> you know, I just thought he was old and forgetful. Little did I know he's, he was my age now. <laughs> so it's not cause you're old. I've been like that my entire life. Oh, we are old. We are getting old, um, older, but yeah, but it's weird to see that thinking about all the way back since childhood, seeing it acted out in a different relationship. And now I am now living that that reality also of just constantly irritating people because I do. <laughs> and like my entire day at work consists of trying to remember all the things that I was going to do today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have a list. I have my iPad Pro. I have I have the I have I've found ways to make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> like I write my lists and I love it. And I'm like, ooh, technology. And I'm really happy about it. And then I never look at it the rest. <laughs> day yes. and then I look at it at the end of the day and I'm like well damn it <laughs> I did two of these things and I only did those by accident so yeah Amy has this thing where now granted she's more the house manager so she this is this is something she does on a regular basis but she like maps out all of the inside of all of the stores around here like she, oh, she yeah. knows exactly where everything is that we need to get inside of every single store right and she can tell me exactly like if I'm going in the store to get a couple of things, she's yeah. like, this thing is on this aisle. This thing's over here by this stuff. And you want to make sure, cause they, they're doing, you know, they're, they're constr doing construction inside the store and they've changed things around. So it's never here now. It's over here. And it's like, buy this stuff. And you've already zoned out. Oh yeah. It's already too much detail. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll, I'm like, okay, I got it. I, 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 I probably you wasn't don't. listening yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. or I might've been, I might've legitimately been listening, but by the time I walk in the store, my mind is already thinking about everything else that I'm not doing. Yeah. And I'm just sort of on all the pipe through the store and I will walk through the entire store before I remember what it was I was supposed Same. to do. Yeah. <laughs> I do that too. And Madison's like, what took you so long? And I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> you know, just me being me. There's something I brought all these other things though. <laughs> I, there is something really interesting about this. And this is a theory that I have about going to the store for I, I don't know if it's just for fives. Probably not. But it's, it's for people in general. Like, so do you know what EMDR is? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would do when, especially when I was in college, like I can't do it now because you know I'm an adult and I have kids. But <laughs> I would, you know, when I was just really you know depressed or or upset about something or like needed to process, I would go to Walmart at like two o'clock in the morning and I would just walk through the store. Oh yeah. And there was something about walking through the store. Yeah that was cathartic. Yeah. 
and would actually, I would, I would leave, I wouldn't buy anything. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even really plan to buy anything, but I would just, I would, and I wouldn't really even look at much. I would just kind of walk through the store and just sort of gaze and I would walk out and I would feel better because hmm. I'm processing through. So hmm. there, so EMDR stands for like, I don't remember what it actually stands for, but it's, it's like, it's, it's an, a rapid eye movement therapy oh, okay. and which sounds like cuckoo, but it's, no. but it's actually because and mainly because we don't know why it works. We just have theories about why it works, oh, okay. but it's, it's been proven as in study after study as a very effective therapy for especially people with P PTSD. So mm. it, what it does is there are different ways to do it. The, I think like the the high tech version has these like series of lights and stuff, but it, 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 it causes you to move your eyes rapidly as you're recalling like traumatic events. Oh, and there's something about that that helps your brain release it. Hmm. And the, I guess the theory kind of comes from, cause the walking through the woods does the same thing. I think the person who came up with this was noticing how walking through the woods did this for them. And so I think that there's like a, some sort of level of that in like rapid eye movement of walking through the store and like, making your eyes dart from one thing to another as I'm processing things that like has helped me. And it, it's weird. It's a weird theory that I have. I don't know. Well, I mean, and on that walking through the woods part, I mean, like that's probably why hikes are so cathartic mm -hmm. and therapeutic. And also, you know, like I think, among other reasons, but yeah, well, yeah. But if you're feeling stressed or feeling any kind of overwhelming feeling, then I've always noticed that like a long walk always helps, but it's probably because, I mean, that probably plays a, plays a role in the way that you kind of interpret information, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think back to our backpacking trip, <laughs> oh God. that's where I, yeah. that's where I go in my mind. Whenever I get really stressed, I, I actually, it's, it's almost like I, I unconsciously I'm drawn to, or like long for a nice long walk in the woods or like a walk on the beach or mm. like, and I, and I, 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 I connect emotionally to those times where there's a lot of like audible stimulation or visual stimulation that is calming. Hmm. And I've never really thought about it until just now that this is kind of like a little bit of a light bulb moment that, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like as soon as you're like, it's kooky. I'm like, no, I get it. <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's a great segue into how, what do we do about this? Right. Um, I have experienced like a lot of progress. It's, it's, I feel like I've, I've taken a few steps back in 2020, <laughs> Sure, yeah. but I, I, I live in my head way less than I used to. And, and, you know, one of the things that you talked about of, you know, taking the, the walks on the beach. And so the way that we tend to think about ourselves or, I'll say, I'll say as a five, the way I tend to think about myself is I'm basically like my body is just a vessel to carry my mind around it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I probably don't take great care of myself and I hate exercise and, you know, I, my body is just something I kind of have to deal with because it's the thing that I need to keep my mind going in, in this lifetime. Right. So yeah, I, but but what I found is one of the, you know, one of the things that there's this, there's this phrase that I was taught that from one of my mentors. And it, it's like, if you think too much, it makes you heavy. And if you're heavy, you cannot fly. And that's always stuck in my brain because when I get into this world where sometimes it can be really, really energizing and empowering, but most of the time it's, it's sort of this spiral, mm. right? And, but, but it, it reminds me that, I am, I can really weigh myself down and, 
And it's because I'm, I'm pulling myself out of my body. We talk about pulling ourselves out of the present moment, but in, we're also kind of like, we're pulling ourselves out of our bodies. Yeah. And one of the ways I've found that has helped me, we talked about this a little bit before, but but practicing mindfulness meditation is, has been helpful for me in so many ways. The first thing you do is connect with your body. So you do like body scans and you just take stock of how your body is feeling like from head to toe. And it sounds so simple, but there's something about that that grounds you and pulls you out of this mind trap that we can kind of get into. Yeah. And, and, and that sets the stage for then being able to practice clearing your mind of all thoughts. And if something comes in, acknowledging it and then just releasing it without judgment. And when I, the, the periods in my life where I was doing really well with that habit of daily, like multiple times a day doing mindfulness meditation were some of the healthiest in my life because I was not constantly pulling myself out of the, the moment I was not experienced that cost of, of not being in the moment and experiencing life. And because of that, I was able to feel the things. And because of that, I was able to make those meaningful connections and have the, the meaningful relationships that really enrich life and are life giving. And, and so that for me, connecting to my body and practicing that state of mindfulness went a long way towards helping me get out of that habit of constantly just like retreating into the the deepest depths of my mind palace. I think energy plays a really big part in living in my head. I think a lot of fives kind of withdraw into themselves to refuel. And so if I've had like a long day, taxing day, if it was an emotional day, or maybe I got into an argument with someone, whatever, it's really draining for me. And then I have to retreat in myself to replenish set energy. So if I've had like a really long day and I go meet a friend after work for dinner or something, I find it really hard to be present in that conversation and not withdraw into myself. I have to actively remind myself to listen, to be present, to respond, to participate. And it feels like kind of like I have to dig down deep into myself and pull up whatever energy I have left in order to participate in whatever interaction or even just observing the outside world. I'm so drained. I just focus everything inside and I'm constantly having to be very intentional about getting out of my head. think that I do that too, but less consciously. I, I, I started getting into mindfulness meditation to sleep and, you know, laying in bed and just like imagining like, you know, water washing over you and just thinking about every inch of your body and that kind of thing and relaxing all the muscles and like the whole exercises that you can find. And I, that was my first real experience with it and finding that it was therapeutic and relaxing me, but then also feeling just being in my body, I guess. And, but also for me, it's hard to do that because as a five wing six, and just with my anxiety, I think about my body all the time. I think about how is it going to fail me today? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, last night I had a back pain that I felt like I kind of threw my back out and this like muscle right beside uh, my spine. And, but then it like was ra wrapping around my side 
And I thought that was really weird. I don't know that feeling, but then like, then it kind of settled kind of near like my intestines or bladder. And I was like, am I having a kidney stone? Is that what this is? Like, maybe it's a kidney stone and the pain kept getting worse. And I'm like, maybe it's a kidney stone. I don't want to go through a kidney stone. Is this all related back to my back? And then now it's a kidney stone. So did you notice there what you just did though? When you talked about your body, you immediately said, I think about my body all the time. Right. And then you immediately said, I think about how my body would fail me which is a right. judgment. So you're Yeah, it's not actually thinking about my body. It, well, it's not it's not connecting with your body, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. You're still separating the two. Yeah. You're you're observing and and totally. and analyzing yeah. and judging, you know, from a from a distance even though you're still you're still there and you're you're feeling the stuff. But there's a difference in my experience, there's a difference of connecting and sensing and and just letting it be. And it's so totally, I absolutely agree with you. Okay. My whole point is I try to let it go and be, Uh, and I notice something and that thing spirals me into all the what ifs and all of the anxiety. And then all the cloud comes around. So for me, it's, it's really, really hard to just be in my body and be okay in the moment. And I guess because, you know, that's just, it's, it's, it, because of the fact that, I already struggle with the hypochondria anyway, and it's all related to my body. Like, I think there's always something wrong. Every morning I wake up, there's something wrong with my body (laughs) in my own mind. Um, What do you think you gain from telling yourself that? Nothing. (laughs) Well, you, you know, if you didn't gain anything, you wouldn't tell yourself that. I guess I, I feel like I gain the perspective of preparation and that preparedness if there is actually something wrong, then oop, caught it early. Like maybe there's a better chance of fixing that problem. If there really is a problem, I assume that's the thing. And of course this is for another episode, but like with the whole struggle with death, anxiety and everything that I had, I, this all got intensified very heavily because well, definitely don't want to die because if that's it, then I don't want that to happen. And so it probably surround it, you know, it comes from that and, and it's kind of rooted in a few different places and it's all unhealthy and I know it is. But I think that the whole point that I was trying to make though, is that to, to, to try to fight through that anxiety and fight through the negativity of trying to be in my body just to be, I guess, is a huge challenge, but has great reward. I mean, I've experienced that even recently. I've had moments where I'm just like, you know, I think I'm just really okay. I'm really okay in this body that I have been graciously given by whatever circumstances there are. And, um, just trying to experience moments for what they are. I mean, I take, I also do, I take time sometimes before I go into work. I did that this, this morning, actually, I just take time to like sit. And before I have to take off out the door, before everything happens, I remember I like this morning, I just sat on the couch and my dog was laying on the couch and he laid his head in my lap and I was just petting him and just looking out the window and just like watching the sun come up, which is Sounds simple enough, but for me, that's really hard because mm-hmm. I want to be, I'm already usually thinking about other things, but I had to try to consciously sit there, focus on my breathing and not think about anything in preparation for the day because I knew today would be insane. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to take these, I have time. I'm going to take these five minutes to myself right now and try to be in this moment and be okay with whatever happens today. Now, granted, it didn't, it didn't work that way because the day ended up being much worse than I thought it was going to. But I look back on that moment and I can think, you know, in that moment, I was good. And I wasn't just in my head. I was in that moment and I felt okay. 
So one of the things you said that I, I'd like to dig into a little bit is that it's hard for you to move past all of that stuff and just sort of be. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in your life where that was easy? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not think a, so. Not a single time. I mean, I don't think so. No, I can't like just to be in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had times in my life where it was really easy to enjoy the moment for what it was. And because of that reason, I didn't feel like I was in my head or anything like that, but I don't necessarily know if that was, I mean, it wasn't like a conscious, like I'm going to be in the moment or this is a beneficial thing for me. Right. So it was just like, which is, which is not being in the moment. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. But I mean, as a practice though, like we do facilitate moments that are healthy for us. You can, you can have an intention going into a moment, but if you're, if you're thinking about how being in the moment is impacting, you know, but your, then your like, ability what is to intention? be in <laughs> What is intention then? <laughs> if it's not like intention has to come from thoughts. So what I'm saying is, is <laughs> you can have an intention beforehand. Right. And, and be intentional about the, the decisions you're making. But if you're in a moment, like to facilitate the thought of, Oh, I'm in the moment right now. And this is, I'm doing a really great job of being in the moment. Well, yeah. Like that's pulling you out of the moment when you're, yeah, you're you're already narrating it. No, that's not necessarily (laughs) what I mean. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the difference between being naturally in the moment, which I have done. I mean, I can think of a few times like, you know, floating down the river and just enjoying what, what is happening without having to think about anything else, which is was a few hours of just complete re- relaxation because I wasn't in my own head. I wasn't thinking about the things that was happening. I was just enjoying what was happening in front of me. And I think that's another reason why I associate positive feelings and, and thoughts with the beach. Cause usually I'm much more relaxed there for whatever reason. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I'm one of those people that's, I don't really love the beach. I don't want to live there, but like, <laughs> For whatever reason, it's so, I mean, probably just because it's so different from my normal reality, it causes me to be more relaxed. Everything seems to move slower there at the beach. And I've fantasized about a life where everything just moves a little bit slower for a little while, you know? And I feel like to some degree that in in and of itself is therapeutic for me because my mind is never slow. And so it kind of, it jerks me out of my mind involuntarily or unwillingly and causes me to be, forces me to wait and to be okay with waiting for the next thing to happen and just be in that moment. So there's a lot of things in my life and in anybody's life, I think that kind of forces you into that place. I think that the problem is, or the the challenge is to embrace that moment when it happens and say, this is in, in a weird way. Like, I know you're going to just attack the thought again, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, There was no attack. For instance, for instance, I despise lines. I hate them. I always have hated lines. Like waiting in line? Yeah. Waiting in line. Drawing lines. (laughs) Every damn line on a piece of paper just angers me. No, lines in a store, lines in wherever. And I I, it's so easy for me to be in line. And as soon as I'm like, oh, three people in front of me, I'm gonna have to stand here for a second and immediately hop throw my phone out and start looking at the news or whatever articles and just reading things. And I do it all the time. But every once in a while. And especially lately, especially this year, I think this year has caused me to try to find every opportunity to bring anxiety down, to find moments of appreciation for what 
we have and what we don't. And I think that, but I've, the thing is very consistently lately without really planning it, I'll be standing in line. And sometimes I'm just like, it's fine. It's fine that I'm going to have to wait for this thing. And then I end up just kind of like looking around and appreciating the people around me and admiring the world that we have to live in right now where we're trying to function in this crazy reality that it is, but without thinking too much into that, I'm just observing people interacting and doing the things that they have to do to survive in this situation. And I had that moment actually last night, I was DJing an event until the late hours of the night. So I, it's this really weird gig that I had at one of the Amazon warehouses and I was DJing for the people in the middle of this warehouse which in and of itself was exactly as depressing as you think it is. <laughs> I texted my friend who owns the DJ company that I got it through. And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like if I had to imagine what it would be like to DJ in hell, it's this. <laughs> like, and I mean that completely literally. I was DJing, I was playing loud music and loud, upbeat music, what they wanted me to play, you know? And it's in this like makeshift space that they had created as a break room, I guess, or a cafeteria, but they did it in the middle of the warehouse because it's all open and they can't, it's not, you know, it's more safe or whatever. And so everybody is just sitting there with their, their hands, their face in their hands, completely soulless no life whatsoever in their bodies, just trying to get by and get past this moment. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> you know, in this like fluorescent lighting, this like droning, like, and there's a machine right behind me. And every once in a while it, it would scare the life out of me because it burned really loud right behind me. So all this was going on. And I'm just like looking around at people and feeling just overall kind of depressed like of watching these people who were also just no life or hope in their body whatsoever that anything is going to get better than the moment they're living in this exact moment. But what really so then I'm like kind of in my in this moment, I yes, I guess I was kind of out of the moment. but I was also appreciating the moment. I don't know. I, I, I was observing, but also and, and and analyzing, but then just kind of appreciating this moment for what it was and kind of what it was teaching me. And then it was I was looking around and just kind of sitting there in between having to mix songs. And I remember so many times and what really struck me and what stuck with me the most and what still is sticking with me was how many elderly people work there doing exactly what the 20 somethings are doing, walking 12 miles a day and doing all the things, trying to keep up quotas, trying to do all the things. I mean, I'm talking like late sixties, early seventies, maybe older, trying to do this job and what stuck with me and what caused me, what kind of caused me to like burn it in my memory was specifically what, I mean, it, it kind of, I was noticing it. And then there was this one specific old man who walked by me and I could just see it in his face that other, unlike the other people who had like no hope or energy or anything, he did have emotion. It was just emotion that struck me. So not, ne not negatively, but it was just, I guess it was negative, but it was, he was just so tired and so sad and I could see it in his face and it caused me to kind of reevaluate what we can appreciate and what we don't, what we do or don't appreciate. And so in this moment of like, I'm exhausted, I'm here doing something that nobody cares about. And I'm not really sure why I'm here, except that it's paying the bills. And then I got kind of this like weird life lesson of we're all just in this trying to make it work and get out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just weird to, 
I say all of these things to say 2020 has forced me into the moment more times than I wanted to be. And yeah. I think that that in its own weird way coming out of it, I don't, I don't think I would take back. I think that that's been a really helpful thing for me and has helped me to appreciate my, my life in general and my existence and my body and who I am and has caused me to be a little bit more out of my head than in my head, which is what I, if I, if somebody had told me this is what was going to happen, I'd be like, well, I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to be backpedaling all kinds of ways in my life, you know, and what it's actually done is caused me to be more health conscious in a weird way and also more conscious of how I spend my time and yeah. get out of my head and appreciate things. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange, but 2020 was like its own weird therapy in that way to get out of my head. Yeah. And, and the, the other part that's really weird is that we're all kind of going through it globally at once. Like yes. everyone's sort of taking a step back and saying and, and reevaluating everything all at the same time. One of the, you know, I, I wanted to touch on the the gratitude piece because for me that has been a huge aha moment because going back to what I talked about, what really sucked me into these mind spirals mm -hmm. would be the, you know, the focusing on what was missing. And that, that, that's where that four wing really comes in and into play and like, you know, that existential dread. And one of the best practices that I've done kind of off and on over the last few years is daily writing down like what I'm grateful for. And it's just that simple practice has helped keep that top of mind hmm. and doing that has, has, has sort of kept my four wing a little more at bay. Yeah. which has helped me stay in the moment more as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So to recap, as fives, we love to live in our heads. Yes. There's some advantages when we're trying to accomplish certain tasks where there are also plenty of disadvantages in also accomplishing certain tasks and relationships and uh, maybe overall health and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, some things we can do is to be more mindful, to practice building a habit of, of being more mindful, connecting with our body, connecting with the world around us, and uh, being more grateful and, and putting that into practice. And, and that helps us stay in the current moment and helps us to experience life uh, more fully and, and gain the deep knowing and the deep understanding that we're really looking for. Yeah, I like it. Okay, that's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap. On to the next one. <laughs>